Several years ago, we watched the Oscar-winning film Argo as a Family. For those of you unfamiliar with the film, it's the unlikely and mostly true story of a CIA team being sent to pose in Iran as the makers of a sci-fi movie looking for locations. This was their honestly unbelievable cover for a mission to rescue some American diplomats trapped in Tehran after the fall of the American embassy. We loved the movie. But never having heard the story before, we were utterly gripped and tense, even sometimes breathless, waiting to see how the story would end. I think Sarah, my wife, had to leave the room several times, as she often does when films become tense. But that sense of waiting to see how the story would end isn't something we just experience watching films. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of something like that in real life whether it's worrying about illness, maybe waiting for a diagnosis or walking through the treatment. Maybe we're watching and waiting with a loved one close to the end of their lives. Maybe we're struggling with unemployment and wrestling and hoping for that to come to an end. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of something in real life and we have no choice. We have no choice but just to keep walking, step by step and prayer by prayer, until that particular story in our life comes to an end. No choice. No choice, though the pressure of that situation weighs on us like a heavy rucksack when we're climbing a mountain. The unique thing about now is we're all experiencing this together. That there is nowhere apart from Antarctica on the planet to which we can run to escape the story in which we now find ourselves. But there will come a time, as with the film Argo, when we can write the end even of this story, this all-enveloping story in which we're all caught up at the end, uh, all caught up at the moment. So I find Paul's words here incredibly reassuring, and I hope you will too. Not because he's talking about an easy situation, far from it, for he's talking about the events of Acts 19 in Ephesus, let me remind you, Paul's ministry had been so fruitful there, so many people coming to faith, so many people being delivered, that it had started to upset the whole economy because people were following Jesus rather than the local god Artemis. But the guilds were making money out of serving Artemis. They feared for their livelihoods, so they whipped the whole city up into a riot, nearly leading to the lynching of two of Paul's companions. I find Paul's words reassuring, because he's able to look back and tell a story about how God was present and sustained him even in the very roughest period of his life until now. And that reminds us that even the biggest, darkest stories have endings. That there is a 1918 that ends the 1914, a 1945 that concludes the 1939. When we're caught up in it with the situation weighing on us, it's hard to believe that it will come to an end. And then if we're not careful, fear can fill our hearts, paralyse our minds and freeze our goodwill. But even the most difficult periods or stories have an ending. The challenge is to keep following Jesus through this storm, step by step, prayer by prayer, until it comes. Let's look together at what Paul learned in Ephesus and shared with the Corinthians. First lesson Paul was taught in Ephesus, God can be trusted. 
The RSV translates verse 8 very vividly. We were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. Paul talks in verse 9 of feeling that they'd been sentenced to death and there was some kind of judicial procedure in Ephesus where the demand that the mob was making was for their execution. Despite this extreme situation, Paul insists they learned in it that God can be trusted. How did they learn that? Because they learned that when they came to the end of their own resources, God was still there. It's not that God waits until we've run out. Please hear me, that's not what Paul's saying. God sustains us at all times. He empowers, comforts and gives grace to us at all times. What they discovered was when they got to the point of running out, Paul says, they discovered that God still sustained them. Second half of verse 9. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What was forged in them through this experience was utter reliance on God. In verse 10, Paul compares the peril they were in to death itself, and therefore their deliverance to nothing less than resurrection. Something was forged in that moment that led Paul and Timothy to a total surrender to God, and not just for then, but also for the future. Verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So this is a time that God can use to forge a different character in us, as he did for Paul and Timothy. I'm not saying that's why this is happening in the world. I am saying that we can grow in and through this story if we choose to lean in and rely on the Lord. The year before I was ordained, I was offered a curacy in Bridlington uh, the, the summer before I was ordained. But when we prayed about it, I had no peace at all that it was the right thing. So I respectfully said no. The person in charge of curacy placements was furious. We then looked at something in Hull, and again, I had no sense at all that it was what God was calling us to do. So I respectfully said no again, and the person in charge, if that were possible, was even more furious. I ended up being turned down once myself, and saying no four times before we ended up doing a curacy in Derby. And I was placed in May, just after Easter, six weeks before ordination. It was a really hard time lasting a year. I felt a lot like the last puppy in the shop. Lots of people questioned our wisdom. Lots of people said we were being too fussy. Lots of people told us to settle for the next thing that was offered. And a theological college is not a great place to have everyone know you're struggling because lots of trainee vicars want to try out their rudimentary pastoral skills on you. When you've been asked, you need to imagine head nodding slightly on one side, how you doing? When you've been asked, how you doing? Three times, just in the 50 yards it takes to get to the lunch hall, you want to scream, trust me on this. But it simply came down to this for me. How could I say yes to something unless I had the conviction it was what God wanted, what God required? It was an object lesson in learning to trust because I had a brilliant curacy in which I learned so much about God's presence and power that still continues to influence who I am and my ministry today. Not saying it was an easy curacy, but it was a brilliant one. I compared the process at the time to the tempering of steel. Iron is heated up extremely high 
and then cooled extremely quickly. And that process forges a character, a quality in the metal that cannot come any other way. That tempering process is what turns iron into steel. That time of waiting and pursuing and waiting for God's yes was a time of tempering for us. It forged a character in us, a clarity about what we would say yes to that wouldn't have come any other way. And brothers and sisters, if we can walk through this time, this all-enveloping story, step by step and prayer by prayer, this will be a time of tempering for us as well, which will mean that we are in the right place, the right character, with the right character and with the right hope for whatever comes next in the world. Second lesson Paul learned in Ephesus, prayer really matters. Verses 10 and 11. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. The word translated gracious favour is the same word charisma Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12 and elsewhere for a grace gift, a spiritual gift. These are ways in which God's grace becomes present and available in our situation through the Holy Spirit in answer to our prayers. That, Paul is saying, is what happened in Ephesus. Paul tells us that it happens as they literally joined together in serving Paul and Timothy through prayer, where the prayer is that of petition, which means to be asking God to intervene. For Ephesus was a massive spiritual battleground. The breakthrough through Paul's ministry was significant, so the backlash was bitter and murderous. But they were granted deliverance by the becoming presence of God's grace, and prayer is presented as playing a crucial part in that battle. In the story that is filling our world and filling our minds and hearts at the moment, to choose to pray is to play a crucial part in the battle. Whether it is to join together by praying for the members of your small group, whether it is to join together in serving your neighbours in all kinds of ways, but particularly by praying for them. Whether it is to be part of one of the new prayer sixes which we're establishing at the moment, where we're asking you to commit to praying for five other members of our congregation. Maybe every time you wash your hands, you can pray for the five people in your, uh, in your prayer six. Whether it's to join together in serving our nation by praying for leaders at all levels, particularly in the government, in local government and in the NHS. Choosing to pray and devoting ourselves to it throughout the crisis is choosing to play a crucial part in the battle, is choosing to pray for God's grace to enter into our situation, our story, and to be present, active and available, not just for us, but for those around us. So let us be praying for deliverance for our nation, our community, our church and our households. Let's be praying against untimely deaths in our community and in our church. This is a way that we can all join together in serving at this time. What did Paul learn in Ephesus? He learned that God can be trusted even in the very hardest times. He learned that even the most dark and bitter stories come to an end. And he learned that prayer matters for it's one way in which we can all join together in serving. And Paul reminds us that our own difficult story, just as his did, will come to an end. 
just as the relief was overwhelming, spoiler alert, as the airplane's wheels left the ground at the end of Argo. So keep going. Keep walking, step by step and prayer by prayer, and know and trust that we will come through this together. And trust that, like Paul, we'll be able to tell stories of how God was present, tell stories of how God can be trusted, tell stories of how God tempered us like steel through this time, so that we grew through this time as Christians and as a church, and we were ready for whatever comes next. Thank you for listening.